everybody, and welcome to Behind the Wing, the Air Force Reserve's newest podcast, the official podcast of the 315th Airlift Wing at Joint Base Charleston. And I'm your host, Major Wayne Caps, along with my co-host, Technical Sergeant Bobby Pilch. What's going on? Major Caps, going good, sir. I'm glad to be here with you hosting this show and getting to talk about some of our most amazing people that serve globally and live locally right here at Joint Base Charleston. And we call it Behind the Wing because... Because we're not the wind beneath your wing. That's right, absolutely. <laughs> Behind the wing, we're excited about the podcast. We're going to have a good time. We're going to talk about actually what's going on behind our airlift wing here. And our goal for doing this podcast is to talk about what's going on in the background. It's I want to talk to the everyday airman who's out there busting their hump, doing what they do to serve this nation. And sometimes you don't see that. Exactly. We want this to be just a very casual, upfront, honest look at our airmen from across the wing, hearing their stories, what they do, why they do what they do, and their passion to serve here in Joint Base Charleston. And we have, in the 315th Airlift Wing, we have, have upwards of 2,500 men and women serving in uniform. So this is a good way for us to reach out and let them tell their story, not only to their wing members, but to people outside of the Air Force. And that's why we wanted to do a podcast. Exactly. The local community likes to hear what we do here, and this is, I think, a great opportunity to get a peek behind the curtain with airmen from from across the wing, from all different squadrons and groups, so they can tell their story. So our first episode, this is our very first episode, something we've wanted to do for a while. We used to do a television show yeah. called Troop Talk, but that became such a beast to manage. But we like the format, so what we decided to do is take that same kind of a format and move it to a podcast so that we can actually get our word out and let everybody understand what's going on, but maybe in a smaller type format. Exactly, exactly. This is kind of a short and sweet, roughly 30-minute show that encompasses a lot of information. We're going to hear everything from what news, yes, current news, and then I think we're going to hear from one of our recruiters. Yes, we've got a recruiter in here who's going to be coming in for our news talk segment. And when I was talking to our recruiter, I said, hey, no sales pitch. Right. He kind of laughed. He's like, no, no, that's not what we. That's not what I'm here for. But I'm fascinated about what it takes to come off the street and join the Air Force Reserve because it's different from active duty. And we probably get several emails a week from people who are afraid to call a recruiter because that signifies that next step for them. But they can send an email asking for information, but it, you know they're scared to follow that next step. So I just want to talk to a recruiter and find out you know, some, some ins and outs of being what we call a citizen airman. Right, exactly. Yeah, And I think it'd be a great opportunity to kind of demystify what goes into the recruiting process and also what the qualifications are for folks that are coming in off the street that would like to serve serve locally, that actually live locally as well. Absolutely. And uh, our, our main story, we're going to be talking to aircraft maintainers. And, and I had such a good time talking to those folks. We, we, sat, down, we sat and talked for a while and just shot the breeze and talked about what they do and it's a it's a fascinating insight into something that y you don't normally get to find out about right exactly uh, you know a lot of folks don't understand what goes on to get those big planes up in the air yeah exactly uh, you know it's uh, we, we see them every day in the charleston sky and you know they they, they mesmerize the, the general public and we're all fascinated by by the jets but there's a lot of hard work and dedication on the ground that goes into getting those jets up in the air mission ready. Yeah, and we had a, you know, Hurricane Irma came in, uh, freaked us all out, the whole city basically uh, evacuated. We were, we were really worried about what we were going to do, and a 
big portion of that was getting 27 C-17s off the ground, into the air, uh, to a safe location. Because when you're talking a C-17, that's $202 million a piece, not counting the mission that still has to go forward. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Exactly. It, to get that many jets up in the air at once is, is, a, is a feat in itself, So, and, and, and the maintainers were a critical part of that. So we've got our maintenance story. We're going to do a little news. What's going on in the wing right now? Michael is going to come into the studio here in just a minute. And we'll talk about that. We also, we're also going to talk to an operator. You know, we're going to talk to somebody about all the missions that's been going on the last six months or so. What, what have we been doing from a flight perspective? Yeah, and I'm, I'm so excited to, to interview this individual because our jets do fly across the globe, hence the name Globemaster, whether it's something down in Central South America or over in Europe or in the Middle East. So hopefully we're going to hear some great stories from, uh, from that operator when they get in the studio later on. Yeah, it should be a good time. I'm excited to, to get this podcast kicked off. Uh, I think it's going, to be, it's going to be a good thing for our wing. It's going to be a good thing for the public. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited to be here doing this, and I can't wait to kick this off for our first, uh, first episode. So without further ado, let's take a listen to some aircraft maintainers, and let's see what they have to say about our C-17 Globaster 3. Hey, guys, I'm here in the studio with Chief Master Sergeant John Cornuda and Staff Sergeant Jordan Mitchell, guys, welcome to the studio. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Major. It's great to be here. Thanks, Major. How are you doing today? Not too bad. I'm excited that this is our first story on Behind the Wing, our new podcast. So uh, I want to get right into it. You guys are aircraft maintainers. So tell me, what does that mean? What, what does that mean to the general populace? Just give me the nutshell. Being a maintainer is really about safe maintenance. It's really about getting the aircraft ready to, to fly, do missions, and it's about being able to make sure that you're paying attention to details. So it's a, it's a lot of moving parts, and you have a team that's with you to really make sure that jet is ready and prepared to do missions that it needs to do. So we have uh, how many C-17s, Chief, we on, have on the base? 48. 48 right here. Yes, sir. 48 actual C-17s. I think on base, we at one time we had 54, 54 of them. Yes, sir. 54 uh, C-17s here on the base, so 48 now. You guys actually have to maintain and keep in the air. That is correct, yes. So, and to piggyback on what Sergeant Mitchell had said, so in, in supervision, our job is to make sure these guys have everything they need to uh, accomplish their mission, get the aircraft flight worthy. You know, our job is to make sure their training is uptight, fitness, physicals, that sort of thing. So what kind of undertaking is that to get those aircraft in the air? If I'm talking about somebody on the outside who thinks of a mechanic, you think of somebody maintaining your car, <laughs> you know, and you only fix it when something's wrong. Absolutely. So uh, what I've noticed coming on the Air Force is whenever it comes down to maintenance, it's not something that you want to fix when it's just broken. It's something that you do constant inspections. You want to look at certain uh, key points on the jet to make sure that it's, it's ready, it's serviceable, it's ready to fly. And you also want to just make sure that it's, it's up to date, it's well-oiled machine. Yeah. If you think about a C-17 in general, C-17 Globemaster III, $200 million aircraft. <laughs> and how old are you, Jordan? I'm 24 years old. So 24 years old, out there maintaining a a, a 200 million dollar aircraft, and I think that's <laughs> that's really cool, don't you think? <laughs> yes, sir. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And and uh, Jordan here is one of our finest, doing a crackerjack job out there. And new staff sergeant, right? Yes, Fairly sir. New. Well, congratulations, yes, congratulations. But and 24 years old. That's and not only the aircraft; it's the lives that are on board. I've seen 
200 plus people fit on a C-17 <laughs> during a hurricane evacuation. Yes. It's a big responsibility. What do you What do you think, Chief? Well, our Corps is getting younger and younger, and it's people like Jordan here who take the reins and do a great job and eventually become future leaders training the new airmen behind them. You know, when you say that, uh, they're, they're getting younger and younger. Uh, I think it might be we're getting older. We may be, <laughs> yes. I don't want to admit to that, but I think I it's true. So we recently went through a big hurricane. It hit the East Coast, devastated part of the Caribbean, hit Florida pretty hard. But what a yes. lot of people outside of maybe the Southeast don't realize, it hit South Carolina pretty hard, too. We had 27 aircraft on the field, on the ramp during that time. We had to get them all off base yes. uh, because that's a lot of money and it's a lot of responsibility. We have to keep our mission going. So talk about that process and how that happened, Chief. Can you can you give me a little insight of what happened, what went on? You've been here a while, Major. You know, uh, when we get the order to evacuate, it's our jobs to take every aircraft we can generate and get them off of the ground into safe haven, as we like to call it. It's difficult enough just making that many aircraft fly when they're flight fully mission capable. Then you have a lot of aircraft who may be in the home station check hangar where they're getting inspections and torn apart and they have to be pieced back together very quickly but very safely and getting that aircraft out of here as well. And I am proud to say, like you said, 27 aircraft all departed. Not a single one was left here on stage. And that doesn't happen a lot. To see this aircraft, I think I we took a picture from the tower that showed our airfield completely empty, and I said it looks spooky. It, absolutely. Absolutely. As a maintainer, you're used to seeing aircraft on the flight line, and to see a flight line with no aircraft, it's just it's it's amazing, it's astonishing, and it's a little eerie, yes. Yeah. So we were getting briefings during this hurricane uh, evacuation, and I remember somebody saying, we had four aircraft that were hard broken. What's the process that goes behind, okay, these things, <laughs> this thing's busted pretty bad. How do we get it in the air safely and get it off station so it and the crew are safe? You know, that's either parts showing up on time and putting it back together and, and doing an operational checkout, making sure everything's flightworthy. Sometimes you may have to a cannibalization process where we may take a piece from another aircraft to make that aircraft flightworthy. It's, you can't really throw it in black and white. Sometimes it's being creative, but we do it by the book and we do it so the aircraft's safe and the people flying it are safe. So I guess what I'm trying to do is impress to the folks back home who are listening, who might be in their car listening to a podcast, this is kind of a Herculean effort to get all of those <laughs> aircraft off station. It is a terrific undertaking, and you really have to live it to understand how much work, how much effort, and the manpower that you need to make that sort of thing happen. Yeah, absolutely. And this segues perfectly into a subject that I wanted to talk about, we're all reservists. The 315th Airlift Wing is a reserve airlift wing. We've got probably 2,300 people, and we're not like your active duty counterparts where they're out here every day. Most people in our wing have separate jobs, separate lives. They commute in to do this. Across the Air Force, you see this across the Air Force Reserve, but here in the 315th, I think your all's unit, the maintenance here at this base, is the most seamless I've ever seen other than having typically a few more gray hairs, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, I think I, I think when you're out on the flight line, uh, you guys, it's seamless. You don't know who's a reservist and who's active duty. It is amazing to see it. And, and I've been here for quite a while, like yourself. You know, when we have people on orders, long-term orders, they, they integrate seamlessly. You don't know who is 437th active duty, 
or who's 315th reservist. And it's amazing because some of the active duty component will train our reservists and some of our reservists will train active duty. So it is truly uh, one team, no scene. You can't tell the difference. And it probably works here better than I've ever seen it work anywhere before. It's, it's pretty awesome because when, when I get out on the flight line, um, I am a, a reservist. So whenever I go out there and I start doing a job, I, again, they don't notice. They don't necessarily know I'm a reservist. It's just we're all working together to get that one job done. If I have a question, they definitely help out. If they have a question, I help out. So it's, it's always very well integrated. So And I think our culture has shifted over the years as well. When I was on active duty, I was an active duty staff sergeant. And when, when I thought of the reserves, I didn't understand the difference. For me, a reservist was the 50-year-old staff sergeant that I saw at the BX. And I think our culture has changed. And I think for me, what an eye-opening event, just coming into the reserve and seeing the professionalism and the level of skill that what I didn't realize and what I know a lot of active duty people don't realize, the experience base comes from the reserve. Actually, that was something I wanted to touch upon. You know, we have some reservists who have been here a long time, some recently retired, but still a couple of them that have been around as long as the C-17 has been around. So when it comes to experience, we're second to none. And that's what we bring to the table as reservists, that we're here for a long period of time. We have a lot of knowledge about the aircraft itself, and we do impart that information to anybody who comes here, whether it's active duty. You know, we've had the Australians here a lot of different other countries that have bought the C-17 and they get their experience from us as well as the active duty component. Sure, absolutely. And to touch on the experience level of the reservist, it goes across the wing. It goes across the reserve, not just here in maintenance. It's, yes. it, it's everywhere. Yes. I think we did a study several years ago when we were talking about flyers and we were talking about the experience base in flying. When we pulled the numbers, nine out of the top 10 our holders, flight time holders in a C-17 were reservists. And I think a lot of that has to do with our culture, the way we stay in one place for as long as we want, pretty much. And the guys come out and just fly and then go do their civilian job and come back and fly. So they don't have to leave and deploy as much and transfer to staff jobs. You know, it's funny you bring that up. You may be aware a couple of months ago, we had a, a team come in here and they were analyzing and, and checking out the process of total force integration. And, and I can tell you, I was in some of the meetings where our operators, whether it be 315, 437, like us here in aircraft maintenance, they were seamless. They worked together hand in hand, our people training their people, their people training our people. Yeah, and going back to the maintenance aspect of your job, I've always considered you guys the unsung heroes of the base. I think between maintainers and security forces, the flyers, the pilots, the loadmasters, some of the other career fields that may seem a little more, I guess, sexy on on, on the outside. I'm not talking about you guys. Well, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And let's face it, nothing sexier than an operator, right? And a pilot. Well, I don't know. I've seen some of the, those guys. Over there. No, just kidding. But, but going back to it, when they fly a mission, whether it's a wartime mission or a let's say humanitarian mission or taking the president or the vice president or secretary, this or that over to where they need to go. They're the folks on the news. Behind every one of those missions is a group of maintainers that Absolutely. busted their hump to get that plane off the ground. 
Yes, sir. So when it comes down to that, I really do get the joy out of knowing that that aircraft was able to take off safely. It was able to do the mission that it was it was meant to do. So, no, I'm not in the limelight. I'm, I'm not out there on, on TV or anything like that. I mean, it, it may be nice, but I'm, I'm perfectly content and happy knowing that uh, this mission was done and something during an inspection I might have found that wouldn't have been safe for the jet. And we went ahead, we changed it out and was able to get that out on the air. I like to think of us as the offensive line. Okay. You know, yeah. The the quarter the quarterbacks are the pilots, and they get a lot of the glory. But without us up front making sure that we're blocking uh, any troubles they may have, the mission doesn't happen. You know, I was thinking about this the other day when we first started talking about this show. As a maintainer, I don't think there's a greater joy you can acquire any more pride than when you see an aircraft you worked on, serviced, repaired. When it blocks out of here and you know it's going on to a mission where it's taking uh, humanitarian aid somewhere or, you know, bullets, bombs, or, or warriors overseas, it's, I can't describe it. I can't nice. describe it. It's amazing just to see that aircraft leave and knowing that you are a part of that. Nice. Challenges. What, what are your challenges? There's some parts that, that are more difficult to get to. There's some things that, that you really have to dig hard in the book and, and ask a lot of different people about that particular part is some things that could be a little bit more difficult than others. And it's something that with the Air Force, we have an amazing team just being able to, uh, to talk it out with each other and really find something that works and always afraid that I might've missed something. So I, I'm not afraid to ask and say, hey, can you, can you just double check this? And, and that's mind blowing to a lot of people who aren't in the military. You're 24 years old. Yes, sir. <laughs> uh, you're 24 years old. You got a $200 million aircraft. You've got upwards of 100 to 200 people, not counting the equipment that you may be sending overseas. Mm -hmm. You're responsible for making sure that thing gets there. And that's definitely a, a really hard part to kind of carry on your shoulders. But that's something with all the training that we've gone through and just knowing that it's attention to detail. What I personally do is kind of put myself in that position. Is this something that I would like to actually fly on? Is this a part that is good or is this a part that's bad? I mean, will I fly on this jet or will I have my family get on this jet and be safe and and know that it's going to be ready so i really put myself in a position where i want to make sure that that is is ready to go chief what do you think coming from a different technical level i see funding issues it's been a, a challenge as of late um as you know we used to be a larger workforce and, and and now we're doing the same job actually the operational tempo is higher than ever and yet the manning is kind of at an all-time low. So that's our challenge. Well, let's talk a little bit more about that. I see it where I'm at, but I don't see it as much where the rubber meets the road. Since I've, I've been in the military 23 years now, and from the day I came in, they've always talked about doing more with less. But you don't know what that actually means until you get in your shoes, Chief. When you're talking about You've got missions to do, and you're responsible for making this happen. You know, our manpower in the Aircraft Maintenance Squadron at one point in time, we were 450 strong, and now we're somewhere around 230. And although we have slightly fewer aircraft, we still have a large number of aircraft, and they still yeah. are flying continually, and they're getting older, and some parts are getting harder to acquire. So it does create challenges, but... As maintainers, we find a way to make things work and fix things, and we do. Yeah, absolutely, and you guys do a great job. Before we go, I want to ask you all about what's the most rewarding part of what you do to contribute to the mission? One of the most rewarding parts for me is definitely knowing that you, you have made a difference. 
it's not uh it's not a question about it it's knowing that you have a team that you work with it's knowing that you have a family that you you can always lean on and knowing that if you have a question you can always ask it and then once you get out there on that jet you start making that mission happen and sometimes you know what that mission is, is going to be if it's going over to uh help with the hurricane relief or if it's dropping some troops off overseas is knowing that you were able to to contribute to getting that jet up and being able to make that mission happen being able to help out the air force so with me is definitely knowing that no matter what it is that you're doing as far as inspections as far as uh, changing a tire or changing a brake uh is definitely knowing that regardless what you do that is contributing to the mission without your part that mission Very may well not have said. happened as i said earlier you know once upon a time and it still brings me joy to see our aircraft depart out of here especially at things like when we have that large formation exercise when we mm -hmm. launch 22 aircraft out of here and you see those things depart 30 seconds apart it's amazing as a chief now as a flight chief to see a senior airman mitchell come in and watch him progress throughout the years to become a staff sergeant mitchell to become a tech sergeant mitchell to become a master sergeant mitchell it makes me proud by the, to see by the way, young he, men and women. By the way, he was smiling when you said that. <laughs> yeah. uh, I appreciate that. Oh, some, someday <laughs> that's going to happen. And, and, you know, without the hard work of Sergeant Mitchell here, without his dedication to his job and his duty and his country, we as a team couldn't make that happen. So to see someone come up throughout the ranks, it fills me with pride and joy. Thank you so much. Well, gentlemen, thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to come and be our first segment here on Behind the Wing, and I, I really appreciate it. So thank you so much for joining awesome. us. It was My a pleasure, pleasure Major. Yes. Thank, you. Yes. thank you very much. Major Caps, those were some amazing airmen with amazing stories to tell about what they do and to hear their dedication to their job and the fact that, uh, you know, we are family, and it was it was stressed so much during their conversation. Yeah, I, I love the fact that I, you've got this 24-year-old airman who's so passionate about taking care of that aircraft because he knows his fellow airmen are flying on it. How, how cool is that? Oh, it's 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 simply amazing. And, and, and to know that, uh, you know, again, you know, it's it's folks like like them that put 27 of those jets up in the air just just a few weeks ago for Hurricane Irma. Absolutely. So let's transition just for a minute and talk about our news. What's going on in the wing? Uh, Michael Dukes is here in the studio. Hey, Michael. Hey, thanks, Wayne. Um, this is our not fake news segment, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> this is our real news. This is what's going on in the 315th Airlift Wing and around Joint Base Charleston. Michael, what's going on? Okay. Well, our biggest news that we have this month is our new podcast. Hey, you're listening to it right now, and I hear there's some pretty good-looking guys hosting it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see what you got a voice for radio. Um, so the podcast is available on iTunes, and it's on our app as well. Yes. Yeah, so if people in the wing don't have our mobile smartphone app, they're really missing out. All you have to do is search your app store under 315th Airlift Wing. It's got everything you need to know from news to our social media to announcements. UTA in, schedules. In, anything oh, that you vital. can yeah, think vital. of. Uh, and it will sync directly to your calendar. I found that out. That's a cool that's a cool feature. So awesome. my, yeah. my wife asked me, when do you work? And I always say, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and then it goes right to your calendar. So I'm, I'm all set now. Michael, right. if I'm a Droid user, uh, is, it, is, it, is it both for Apple, Apple and Droid users? Yes, absolutely. Pretty much anybody who has the ability to download and listen to podcasts can do so. Awesome. So if you have a favorite app that you use to listen to that, you can just search for Behind the Wing. 
and you'll find us. Nice. Not wind beneath our wings? Yeah. No, <laughs> <laughs> no sorry. Yeah. Go ahead, Michael. What else do we have going on? All right. So the, the next big news you guys talked about a little bit in the opening was our series of hurricanes that we've had whipped through here. Yes. Yeah. It's been a big, big focus for everybody. Yeah. So, so what do we have going on with the hurricanes? Early off, we had some of our aeromedical teams get last-minute orders to station at Little Rock for Hurricane Harvey. Now we're looking at Irma and Maria, two major hurricanes that whipped through the Bahamas and up through the Florida area. So our aeromedical evacuation squadron, uh, they were actually tasked this weekend right to to support some of the the missions down in florida so uh, essentially they they left and without orders or anything they just got the short notice tasking so they're (laughs) down there actually helping medical evacuation out of the caribbean and florida and i think that's absolutely amazing oh yeah definitely another thing kind of hurricane related the air force ball (laughs) <laughs> yes, that's, that's right. It was it was uh, canceled and and now uh, now now rescheduled. I, I believe, correct, Michael? Right. It's uh, been rescheduled for October twenty first, and that's not a UTA weekend. So if you need to get a refund, you need to do so by October second. So that's next week. So early next week. Uh, that's on Monday. So if you want a refund. Get it now. Joanne Gillespie in our wing and the Airman and Family Readiness is your point of contact. So if you need a refund, just contact Joanne. What about me? I, I spent 90 bucks on a new pair of shoes. <laughs> uh, you're on your own. Those are, those are some nice shoes, Major. They're nice shoes. I spent 90 bucks on a new pair of shoes, and I don't even get to go dance. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure there's a prom or some other dance out there, sir. I'm sure there's some place you could go. Well, but I wait. promise I'm not going to be crashing any proms. <laughs> Is there, do we have an extension for Joanne? Do we have a number to reach her at? Uh, yeah, oh. she's at 963-5818. Fantastic, Michael. Thank you. Thank you yeah. so, so much. So 5818, call Joanne. She'll take care of you. But uh, also, as soon as the process goes, as soon as uh, all of these people figure out if they're going or not, they're going to open up ticket sales again for people who miss the boat uh, buying their tickets. And I think that's you, Bobby. Is that, uh, is that y- yes, sir. You are correct. <laughs> I would be one of those people who miss the boat. So I'll probably be purchasing some tickets for October. And Sounds some $90 pair of shoes. I will not get the $90 <laughs> pair of shoes. I will stick with uh, the ones I got from basic training. <laughs> oh. so, so let me tell you the story here. I was so aggravated. I blew out my shoes when I went to D.C. I guess I walked all over Capitol Hill and I had a blowout in my shoes. If you've ever had that happen, it seems to happen to me more than it should. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I go to clothing sales to buy some shoes. They're out of everything. It looks like everybody else is buying them for the Air Force ball. And the mm-hmm. only ones they have left are the $90 shoes. So I was aggravated and I have a nice pair of shiny $90 shoes <laughs> that look just like the $35 shoes the guy next to me will be wearing. Those are the best $90 <laughs> shoes you'll ever it, be. At least you didn't have to buy women's shoes. So That's true. That's true. Uh, yeah, I, I, Little I, heels I, or something? Yeah, I, I don't see the major in heels. I don't think he could do I them well. I would have rocked him. Don't judge me. <laughs> All right, what else do we have for news? Pretty much the last item that I have is we have, well, it's been occurring throughout the summer, and it continues to occur. We've got a bunch of people coming back from the desert. Right? Yeah, big That's deployment. Right. Our big deployment cycle is finishing up, and if you've been to... Charleston International Airport lately, you've seen a lot of 315th Airlift Wing members coming back. And when the big groups come back, we have the local news. So I want to say thank you to Live 5 News, uh, Channel 4, and Count on 2. Everybody's been so supportive of getting the word word out. And I love nothing better 
than seeing those family stories as you're as you're at the airport and you see the loved one who's been gone for six months. Yeah. Which it, it doesn't seem like a lot to somebody, but six months to somebody time. working that's away from your family, that's a long time. I think we've all been there and and it's it's rough, and that welcome home is always kind of nice. Oh, yeah. And even if it's not your loved one coming back, it, it touches you. Yeah, oh, de- yeah so. definitely. Because, you know, while, while, they, while that service member you know, has been deployed, uh, you know, the family's been back here holding the fort down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, e- exactly. And we, uh, on our last welcome home that we had at the airport, oh, it was, it was heart-wrenching. We had, a, we had a young airman who came back, and he met his daughter for the very first time. Oh, wow. Uh, imagine he left with his wife was pregnant and he came home and he's got a new baby girl oh. and he said he was so nervous the entire trip <laughs> trip home because he didn't know how she would act when she saw him oh my goodness and i'm like wow that's the least of your problems it's, <laughs> yeah. it's a baby she's gonna cry yeah exactly <laughs> you know but golly, like, what, a, what a stranger yeah exactly uh, what what a great thing though to see and uh so so we want to welcome all of those people home, and everybody else will be home within the next couple months. So thank yeah. you for su- your service. Thank you for yeah, everything you. you do. And Definitely. even in our very own office, our own uh, Lieutenant Richard Coxon has been holding down the fort over in the desert and doing a right. great great job, and he'll be home in a couple of weeks. So welcome home, Richard, if you get to, if you get yeah. to hear this from the <laughs> desert. Yeah, we can't wait to have you back. <laughs> Dearly missed. <laughs> So, well, Michael, is that all you've got for the news? That's pretty much all I have this month, yes. All right, sounds good. So uh, thanks so much, Michael, for your take on the news. You're welcome. Well, let's transition into our news talk segment for just a minute, and let's keep the conversation going, but I want to talk about recruiting. Yes, Major, and that's such a vital part to, uh, to what we do and to growing our family here at Joint Base Charleston. And a lot of times uh, we get so many emails and so many calls of people actually calling public affairs and wanting to know a little bit more about the Air Force Reserve and they're sometimes afraid to call a recruiter. Joining us in the studio, Senior Master Sergeant Chip Harbert. He's our recruiting flight chief here at Joint Base Charleston. Welcome to the studio. Thank you. So let's talk about recruiting in general. What do you say to those folks who just want information or might be apprehensive uh, that think this might be something I want to do, but I don't know yet? Well, first of all, there's no fear in calling a recruiter. (laughs) We're just, uh, we're pretty laid back. We're here to help. And basically what we do is find out if the Air Force Reserve is a good fit for you. You call, talk to us. We talk about what you're wanting to do, uh, a little bit about your background, and then we tell you what you want to answer any questions and tell you about the Air Force Reserve. So how do you do that? How do you find out if somebody's, what's a good fit for somebody? Talk about some of the jobs and, and what makes a person a good fit to be able to put this uniform on, on okay. every day. Well, a good fit to me is somebody who wants to serve. And really in two areas, they might be uh, somebody off the street, what we would call non-prior service, never served in the military. Uh-huh. Uh, but a lot of folks out there who have served in the Air Force and even in other services, a lot of a lot of rumors out there that if you're in another service, you're prior Army or prior Marine, you can't be in the Air Force Reserve. <laughs> so that was started by those Army recruiters. Absolutely, right? <laughs> absolutely. They, uh, they, they do what they can yeah. to keep us from the best. So. <laughs> now, in, in all truthfulness, we love our, our prior service experience, whether it's Army aviation, Marine aviation, administration, medical. I mean, we've got a lot of a variety of jobs here. Like I said, just you, start to, you tell your recruiter what your interests are, 
Uh, and we go from there. So Sergeant Pilch has a great story, and I love to tell this <laughs> when I, whenever I can about his experience on how he joined the Air Force. He joined the Air Force kind of late in life. He was, uh, yes. how old were you? I was 34. He barely made the cutoff. So he was what you call an honorary commander. It's a civic outreach program that the active duty had. And they took him on a, on a civic leader tour, and I was actually on that uh, on that tour, and he came up to me afterwards and said, "I think I want to join the Air Force Reserve." And I said, <laughs> "You know, it's not like that 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 trip you went on." So right. Uh, so sometimes. he in, in, it was sometimes yeah. Yeah, it's so got his moments. He in, he came in and we talked for a little while, and the next thing you know, I ended up hiring him, and he's been in here a while. What do you what do you think? Is that kind of that sum it up for you? Yeah, that 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 is the quick and dirty of it. But no, I honestly, kind of to your point, Sergeant, about selecting your job, that was one of the great things about it was I was able to talk to the major and kind of discuss my interest. And, and that's when he had stated, well, I may have a spot in public affairs. So it was great that I was able to select my job. And then after the training, come back to Charleston and then serve in the role that I had chosen. Oh, so that's a good point. Uh, a lot of people, that's a popular question we get. Do I get to pick my job? Well, some people have their friends or family have been active duty full time. So they joined the Air Force, didn't know what their job was or where they were gonna live. Well, that's not what the Air Force Reserve does. When you join, you know your job and you know where you're gonna work because you go away to training, but you come back here. So whether you're a full-time college student or you have another job on the outside, the Air Force Reserve starts out as a part-time position. If later you wanna look at full-time opportunities, that's up to you. That's great. So what you're saying is somebody can just do this part-time on a, on a very part-time basis around their schedule. Right. So especially young folks going to college, need some extra educational money. Maybe maybe they don't plan on going to college, they just need an extra skill. So we have what we call civil engineering, construction, wrench turners on the aviation world. Uh, that's my background, avionics. So I learned a lot from the Air Force and took it into the civilian world. So that's some people's yeah. focus. So I went on a mission last year to Turkey, I believe. Bobby was with me on there. We had two loadmasters. It was during the holiday season. So both were in school. One was in law school, right, and the other one was an education major. So he was going to be a teacher, and I thought it was amazing how you know because I'm full time. That's just what I do. I'm, I do this every day, but these folks they would plan these trips around their normal lives, and and that can be done. Right. Well, so in your your dad's army reserve or whatever it may be they did one week in a month and two weeks a year it was preset everybody picked up right. went together we're too big for that we have an active mission and a lot of people do work it around their schedule so whether if you're a student on holiday break or summer break teachers especially now the minimum is you work one week in a month and 15 days of active duty and you can break that up however it's between you and your supervisor if you do more so there are people out here that do the minimum 39 days a year and there are people out here that do over 100 days a year. Right. It really depends what your job is and what your availability. And so what you're saying, it's one heck of a part-time job. Absolutely. <laughs> and, I, and we get that. So they join for extra money. They join for educational benefits. And like I say, the, the war, the prior service folks we talked about earlier that came in from other branches to get the retirement. They got out. They've served. They raised some kids. And they say, hey, I'd like to come back in and finish and get that retirement. And you can stay in Charleston. You can stay where you... Where you want to be, that's the that's the thing that I like about the reserve is you're kind of in charge of your own destiny. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Uh, if you love the beach and love a beautiful city and a great <laughs> wing, uh, you just stay. So what's the best way to get in touch with you? If I want to find out more about the Air Force Reserve, 
what kind of positions are out there, or if you just want to learn a little bit more about it before committing, if you will. Well, you can give us a call at 1-800-257-1212 or visit the web at afreserve.com and check out the opportunities there. afreserve.com and you can find out all about it. And I had the opportunity to sit down with one of our operators and that will be coming up next. Thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule. We appreciate it. Thank you. So we would love to hear from you. Please reach out to us. We're on Facebook. We're on all of these social media platforms. Comment and tell us about what you think about this podcast. Leave us a message. We'd love to hear from you. So I'm sitting here with Captain Stan Schmutzer with the 701st Airlift Squadron. And we've been busy this whole summer. Yeah, you bet. Captain, would you mind sharing with me a little bit? What's, what's been going on? We've had a lot of stuff this year, a lot of stuff we've been able to do. That Some we do a lot, some we don't do a lot. We were able to do a couple big air shows in England that we participated in. We actually were asked to come back to uh, because we put on such a great show. And it's just phenomenal to, to see people turn out in the U.K. for something is what we take, you know, see and do every day, and right. it just blows their mind. We've done a bunch of humanitarian stuff, obviously, not only just with the hurricane relief efforts, but also with some of the stuff we do down in Haiti for bringing just sometimes just basic water supplies that are still needed down and that are still recovering years after the earthquake. Right, yeah, I've seen those missions take off from here. Let's go back a little bit on the air show, and one air show in particular I had the blessing of uh, flying along with you guys was the Yelvelton Air Day, where your squadron flew the Mach Loop. Would you mind kind of sharing with us a little bit about that experience and, and, and how really impactful it was to the aviation world? Uh, we never dreamed it would, it would have the rapport that it did. Uh, the big thing was we were the biggest airplane to fly that Mach Loop. And it took, since we were a non-UK asset, uh, aircraft rather, uh, we had to do a bunch of coordination. And we had uh, our UK buddy from the 14th tagged along and did a bunch of the planning and coordination with UK government. Really extended out his expertise and helped plan it and coordinate it. And we were doing it for training essentials. And lo right. and behold, it was I mean, minutes after they were taking pictures of right. us. That it shows up everywhere, including Boeing's website, wanting pictures. We never imagined it would be that big of an impact. It was exciting, uh, you know, being on the ground with y'all, uh, you know, to see see the local media show up and, and, and press for interviews and everything. So it was, yeah. Oh, those guys were awesome. Super, super nice. Yeah. Uh, let's touch on the humanitarian aid. You know, recently, the United States has been been the focus of two major hurricanes, and a lot of our air crews have played a major role in that. And you yourself are, are actually a, a Delta pilot, correct, full-time? Correct, yes, sir. And then a lot of pilots have taken some time off to assist in that. Can you kind of explain a little bit what's going on with that? Yeah, we've always, anything humanitarian-wise, whether it's stateside or overseas, but particularly stateside, that, you know, that's hitting home. So we've had guys, and I've sat scheduling desks a few days during that period, and I'd get calls to, hey, if there's humanitarian stuff coming up, sign me up, I'm, I'm in. And... A lot of these guys, be it pilots, loadmasters, or even AE, they'll take leave from their civilian job. Right. And it's, I mean, it's a pay cut for them. So they come here and want to do humanitarian stuff, being uh, hauling 18 pallets of water or a school bus. It doesn't matter. They'll, 
you know, we'll, we'll build crews and trips, have standby, and if they need it, we're there. Right. So we, we see it all the time when stuff comes up. People people step up, no questions asked. It's wow. it's pretty amazing. That's that's fantastic. And it just highlights, you know, what, what our airmen are capable of in their spirit to serve. Now, now you've got a kind of a unique path to, to becoming a pilot. If I've read and done my research correct, you were a loadmaster at first and then yeah. and then became a pilot? I took the hard way, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I was a loadmaster seven years, became an instructor, and my squadron is, is just unreal. They supported me the whole way. The leadership has been outstanding, and I was extremely fortunate enough. I got my finished my degree while we were pretty much hot and heavy after mobilization of three to five, and then crossed over, as they said, the dark side, <laughs> <laughs> to uh, become a pilot in 08. So it's everything I wanted to. I fulfilled my dream of following my grandfather's footsteps. He was a transport pilot, and there was no other way I, I could have done it. And having the support from my family and also from the unit is not unprecedented. That's fantastic, sir. Uh, now, all the missions that, that you do fly, what are your most favorite missions to fly? Oh, man. You know, I really don't have any quote-unquote blacklist <laughs> <laughs> missions or whatnot. It's, uh, it's just the opportunity. I guess I could say I, I do like first stateside missions just for obvious reasons, uh, shorter days. Yeah. But, it, again, especially with humanitarian, it hits home. It's, it's stuff, right. it's either natural disasters that affect stuff in your backyard. And right. you can be there at a moment's notice and help out just your fellow Americans. No doubt. Well, that's fantastic. Captain, it's been a pleasure sitting with you talking about what you and your squadron has done over the summer. And we look forward to many more interviews with other members of your squadron. And just uh, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule Absolutely. to sit and talk with us. It's my pleasure. All right. Thank you, sir. Hey, Bobby, that was a great segment. I always love hearing from Shooter. I've been all over the world with that guy. Heck of a guy. Yeah, uh, the stories stories he has to tell uh, are, are are simply amazing. And, and some of this stuff, you just can't make up. I think he's been flying since he was about four and a half. Oh, my goodness. Unbelievable. <laughs> you Unbelievable. Know, yeah, I've known him for a while. So when we started doing this, we, we talked about, okay, we need an operator in here. We want, we want to talk about uh, the flying side of the house. I said, it's got to be Shooter. Uh, just, a, just a great guy to talk to. Definitely, definitely. And, you know... The missions our jets fly really are all over the globe, whether it's humanitarian aid, resupply missions. I mean, our jets just really go everywhere. And I love hearing the the behind-the-scenes stuff, so thanks for covering that for us. My, our last my pleasure. Segment. My pleasure. On our last segment of Behind the Wings. So uh, we're about out of time. So I want to thank everybody for taking the time to listen to Behind the Wing, the 315th Airlift Wings official podcast. Yes, so be sure to stay up to date with everything that we do on the Twittergram and the Book of Faces because that's where you find the latest and greatest of what's going on with the 315. Absolutely. So we're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You can find us at 315th Airlift Wing. You can also see our official website. Just Google 315th Airlift Wing. We're all over the place. We also have a YouTube channel that we've got some amazing videos of C-17s and our folks in action. So we're excited to... Share all of that social goodness with everybody. Yes, so please stay tuned, and until our next podcast. And we will see you next time on Behind the Wing.